You're listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast, episode number 90. Welcome to the Online Marketing Made Easy Podcast. Business advice so easy, you'll feel like you're cheating. And now your host, Amy Porterfield. Well, hey there, Amy Porterfield here, and welcome to another episode of the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast. In fact, this is the final episode of 2015. How the heck did we get to the end of 2015 so quickly? Like, where did this year go? Can you relate? I feel like it just has flown by, but we are officially here. Now, this episode is called Seven Ways to Work Smarter in 2016. But let's be honest, if you're listening to this well into 2016, maybe even beyond 2016, this is still going to be a very valuable episode because I'm just talking about different ways to approach your work so that you get more done, you're more satisfied with the work you're doing, you're happier with the work you're doing, and we're going to talk about selling, so you're also going to be very happy with your bottom line. So seven ways to work smarter in 2016. And what I've done is I've actually used a book to kind of guide me through this lesson for you. And it's a book that I've brought up a few times. Every time someone says, Amy, what's your favorite business book? Can you guess which book I read? I go to it over and over again. So if you've ever heard me on someone else's podcast, you probably already know the answer to this one. I wish we could do a little contest and you call it out. The first one to call it out wins but we can't do that. So the book is called Rework from the guys at Basecamp. And it's a kind of an oldie, but a goodie now, meaning it didn't just come out, but I'm always referring back to it. And I've talked about it in some of my other episodes, but this time I've gone through it one more time. And I pulled out some of the most important pieces of this book that can really give us some great lessons and strategies for building an online business. Specifically, if you want to create online training programs and courses, then these strategies and tips that I'm going to share with you today are going to be really applicable because I'm focusing on helping you get more done with less time, less money, less resources, all that good stuff. So we're going to focus on three words as we work our way through these seven ways to work smarter. And the first word is strategy. Second word is saving saving money, saving time, saving resources. And the third word is selling. So each of the ways to work smarter will, will either deal with strategy, saving, or selling the three S's good. Okay. So I'm really excited to dive in. I've spent way too many hours putting together this content, making sure that it really is valuable for you. But before we get there, a quick word about our sponsor. Before we dive in, I want to thank our sponsor today, 99designs. Now, I'm such a huge fan of this company because they can take care of all your graphic needs. We're talking logos, social media cover images, website graphics, and so much more. So visit 99designs.com forward slash Amy and get a $99 upgrade for free. Okay, so are you ready to dive in? Let's do this. Now, the first way to work smarter in 2016 is to embrace your constraints and the reason I chose this one as our first strategy is because I know many of you have small teams. Maybe they're small but mighty teams. You might have a VA on your team, maybe another part-time person. Maybe right now it's just you. Or maybe you have some constraints in terms of your budget or your resources or your time. There's a lot of people listening that are still in the nine to five and doing this on the side, wanting to make it bigger. So we all have constraints, but many of us, if we're just starting out, have constraints that are really serious, like they really are going to limit us. And so inside the book rework, and I'll make sure I link to it in my show notes so you can go check it out if you don't have the book yet. Inside the book, they talk about limited resources, and this is exactly what they say. Limited resources force you to make do with what you've got. There's no room for waste. And that forces you to be creative. And I truly do believe that if you embrace your constraints and you know, look, I don't have enough money or enough time or enough knowledge or experience or enough support. If you really embrace that and say, okay, yeah, I'm limited in one or a few of those areas, 
but what can I do with what I've got that makes an entirely new experience for you? And you can't go down the road of poor me. It's not fair. I don't have enough of this or that. We're not going to play that game at all, but instead we're going to say, okay, what can I do with what I've got? And so if you find yourself starting to talk to a friend or you talk to yourself thinking that you don't have enough of something, you've got to turn that around. Now I subscribe to a way of doing business that I first heard from my friend, Brad Martineau of Sixth division, and he was on stage and I wasn't even there. Someone Instagram this and I thought, oh, I've got to have it. Like I literally had to call Brad and say, I need to steal that and use it. And what he said is he wants to encourage people to pursue simple, get fancy later. And right when I heard it, I thought that's the philosophy that I build my business on. So in today's lessons that I'm going to teach you or strategies that I'm going to teach you, it's all about building a stronger foundation in your business. And by stronger foundation, I mean the core principles that you really should always be focusing on. And definitely if you're in those first few years of business, they should be your only focus. And I'll get to that foundation in just a moment, but let's get back to pursue simple, get fancy later. I want you to write it on a post-it note or put it somewhere that you're always going to remember it when you're working on new projects, because it's really easy to want to create something spectacular. So many of you are those super high achievers, like it's gotta be really, really good. And many of you have a million ideas flooding your brain at every minute. You've probably heard me say, if you follow my podcast, that that is not me. I don't have tons and tons of ideas all the time. And I really do look at that as a huge perk in my life because I'm not constantly distracted by some really great ideas that I just came up with. Now that sounds weird. I know that I'm happy. I don't have tons of great ideas all the time, but I really do think it keeps me on course and it allows me to be a good teacher in that I can really encourage you to focus on one thing at a time. And I can show you through proof of my own business that it really does pay off when you can do that. Now, if you have that ability to have tons and tons of ideas, what I want to encourage you to do is look at everything you're working on right now and ask yourself, and you got to be honest, what am I trying to make spectacular right now that could actually be completed and be just good enough? I know as a high achiever, that's hard for you to hear, but that's where the results are. That's where they're waiting for you and just good enough. So I always tell my students that there's no need to reinvent the wheel, find out what's working in your business and keep doing it again and again, all the while getting better and better. So for me, it's always been webinars. I started with webinars. I did pretty good. And then over the years, I've just perfected how I do them. I perfected how I use them in my business. I perfected how I teach them. So it's been a huge focus of mine. Just recently I created the program, but I've always used them in my business. And so what's your one thing that it might be a selling vehicle like webinars, but it might be something totally different, but we all have that one thing that we can perfect and make better and make better and make more profitable and more profitable and ultimately make a bigger impact. But if you've got a bunch of those things, we've got to pursue simple and we'll get fancy later. Now, one way to keep it really simple is to totally ignore the details early on. And this is from the book as well, because they have a whole chapter. And when I say chapter, their chapters are like two pages. Another reason why I love the book but they have a whole chapter about ignoring the details right now. And so many of you can value from this. So an example in the book is an architect. So when an architect starts a project, they're not thinking of what the dishwasher will look like in the kitchen or what tile to put in the, in the bathroom floors. They're not thinking of any of those details at all. All they're thinking about is building the foundation and they're ignoring all the rest in those early stages. Now for your business, when I talk about early stages, I'm either talking about you're in your first few years of business, or you are out of the first few years of business, but you're working on a new project and you're in the early stages. So hear me out. This is my big lesson for the first strategy, which is embrace your constraints. And the big lesson is 
to me, the foundation of your business is the most important piece of the puzzle. And we all need to come back to the foundation and ask ourselves, did we set a really strong foundation so that everything from there can grow and can build? So for me, a foundation is what you stand for, what you teach, your core content, who your audience is, what your audience needs, and what you're going to sell. Until you've got that all nailed down, and I'm going to say it one more time, what you stand for, so your messaging, what you teach, your core content, who your audience is, what they need from you, and what you're going to sell. Until you've got that foundation nailed down, and until you create consistent content on a weekly basis to an audience that is genuinely interested in what you have to share, everything else does not matter. Truly, it doesn't. Meaning your logo doesn't matter. Your website redesign that you want to work on does not matter. The colors of your business do not matter. Your business card really, really does not matter. You saying yes to a million things that take you away from that foundation, those million things do not matter right now. And we're going to talk about saying yes and saying no in a moment, but I really want to hit home with this foundation idea because I think it's something that we really quickly go through and then we say, okay, that's all fine. And then we work on the nice, shiny, exciting things and we never come back to that foundation. And I do feel like one of the secrets to my success is that I worked on that foundation for a really long time and didn't really steer away from it until I knew it was solid. Then I started trying some new things, experimenting more, but I really had to get that foundation tight. So if you're confused a little bit about your avatar, you're not exactly sure what they need. You feel like you're selling something that just your audience just isn't responding to just yet. Or maybe you feel like your core content's a little wonky, meaning you're not being consistent with it and you're not really sure what to create. We got to come back to the foundation and spend more time there and pursue simple, get fancy later. That one little motto will help you secure that foundation right now. Okay. So that was strategy. Number one, embrace your constraints and really build out your foundation. Now, moving on the next way to work smarter is going to focus on saving you time, but it goes beyond that. So in the book rework, they call this being a curator. So they say it best. It's the stuff you leave out that matters. And that's so true with your online training programs. So I thought this was a really important one for you to focus on in 2016 and beyond being a curator. So let's talk about that. When you're in a museum, what you see on the walls is just as important as what you don't see on the walls. There's a curator involved that decided this is going to be perfect for this museum This cannot be in the museum because it's going to throw people off or it's going to create the wrong feeling or emotion, or it's going to send people down the wrong road in terms of what they're trying to create. So I want you to be a curator, just like if you were going to put together an amazing museum. Instead, you're putting together an amazing online training program. So being a curator means that you're going to omit, cut out, remove, simplify, I love that word, or streamline your online training programs. Now, it's not only extremely valuable that you curate your programs, it also gives you some breathing room. When you try to cram everything into an online training program, it is very overwhelming for you as that content creator. I speak from very personal experience. When things become too much inside of a program. It's hard to manage. You get the flow is completely off. You have too many pieces floating around and your audience, your students inside that program are not really sure where they're supposed to be focusing. And so I'm going to be coming out with a program in 2016, all about creating online training programs. I think I have something unique to share in terms of how I do it and how I make them work. And I've been doing them since day one of leaving my corporate job So I thought this is an area that I really want to share with you. 
So to give you a little hint of kind of like my broad strokes in terms of creating online training programs, it really does start with being a curator. Now, let me give you an example in the real world. I just remodeled my home with my husband, Hobie. And let me tell you, if you've ever gone through a remodel, no one warned me that this was going to be one of the most stressful things I've ever done. I know it sounds dramatic and like, poor me, I get to remodel my home. I know I'm very lucky to do so. However, for months and months, we lived with plastic everywhere. You couldn't sit on the couch. The doors didn't work because we had gotten new doors. So they were boarded up. It was just kind of a huge mess. Plastic on the floors. The cabinets were torn out. Like I kind of hated every minute of it, but I knew I was going to get to a place where I absolutely loved it. At the time of this recording, literally we're 98% done. So we're just going to say we're done. But I had to fill up this house with some furniture. We've lived here a year and a half, literally no furniture when you walked in my house. And people would say, oh, you just moved in, huh? And I'd want to lie because I was so embarrassed. But I said, no, we just don't know what to do with this house yet. So finally, I have furniture. But there's one store here in Carlsbad, California, where I live, that is just my style. I absolutely love it. It's actually called Curated. That's the name of the store. Kind of funny that we're talking about curating something right now. And that's the name of the store in my example, but it's true. So the store is called Curated. And when I walk in, I just, everything there totally fits into the kind of style that I have for this house. And so I found myself going back to it again and again. And there's a million stores here in Carlsbad and San Diego, and there's a lot of places I can shop online, but I just kept gravitating back to the store because when I went online, I was overwhelmed. And when I went in other stores that weren't totally my style, but they had a few things, again, I was totally overwhelmed. But when I went into this one store, everywhere I looked, it was exactly what I needed. And so I was in and out. I came home. I placed everything. It looked great. I went back for more. And so that's what I want to happen with your online training programs. I want people to get into them and think I'm home. I'm exactly where I need to be. I know that there's nothing going to be here. There's nothing here that I should not focus on. It's all totally created for me to get an end result. So there's not a lot of fluff. And there's nothing that's going to overwhelm me. That's what I want for your programs. And it's something that I've been working toward in my own programs. It's not something that happens overnight. You have to be really aware of it. So using my own story of going into a store, knowing that that's my store, that's exactly what I want. I want you to keep that in mind for your own programs. I want you to be selective with what you put in those online training programs. I want you to respect your own time. Sometimes you add so much that you'll work on the program for months and months and never truly finish. That's probably the biggest thing I hear from my students. I'm working on an online training program. And in reality, they've been working on it for like six months. Not necessary. You can get your program done in 30 days. The content, I mean, if you stay really focused and you curate that content. I also want you to respect your client's time. When they go into a program and it's going to take them an honest 60, 90 days to even get through the training videos. Well, is that what your clients want? And do they have time for that? And ultimately you want them to get through the program so they get results. If you add the kitchen sink and then some, they're probably never going to get through the program and never going to get results, meaning you never get amazing testimonials. And let's be honest, as content curators, we want those testimonials, right? So you've got to create a program that people can actually get through. So I want you to look back at the program you're creating right now or one that you've created and ask yourself, is it incredibly tailored to the immediate needs of your ideal avatar? I'll say it one more time. Is it impeccably, incredibly tailored to the immediate needs of your ideal avatar? And if it's not, if the flow's kind of off, or if there's way too much content, or if they're not even sure where to start, what to do in the middle and how to end it, you got to go back to the drawing board. Because if you can nail that, the word of mouth on your program is going to be incredible. And still to this day, we might do business online, but that word of mouth, as we know, when people start talking about it on social media, telling their friends, mentioning it in private Facebook groups, that sells as well. And so making sure that the content is curated 
is so very valuable. Okay, so that sends me directly into our third way to work smarter. It's a strategy and it's all about building a more focused product. So I kind of already talked about this with curating, but I want to get into this in a little bit of a different way. So inside the book Rework, they talk about building a more focused product and they call it the epicenter. So if you think about it, what's the epicenter of your product? The one most important thing that your product is solving or bringing to the table. Now, I wanted to tell you a little story about this because it goes beyond just curating some awesome content, leaving stuff out, putting stuff in, but we want to look at it in a bigger picture. And so the epicenter is that one thing that's really important. Now, some of you have been in my program, the Profit Lab, and it's been an incredible product. I've had it since 2012 and I promote it a few times each year and we've gotten amazing results. Definitely. But I've also listened closely to those that haven't gotten through the entire program. And I've asked them questions. I've gotten on the phone with them. And there are a handful, like a big handful of people that went through the program and did some of it, but they didn't do all of it. And what I realized is the reason they didn't do all of it is because their business wasn't ready for it. So the Profit Lab, if you have something to sell and you're focused on list building, then the Profit Lab was perfect for you. But I attract a lot of people that are working on something to sell. They don't really have that one thing figured out, which is a reason why I'm helping people create online training programs in the new year. But when you go into the program, if you don't have something to sell just yet, then the Profit Lab isn't a perfect fit for you. So what I realized is that I needed to back up. And if I wanted to really support my audience, I needed to first focus on that one thing that was going to make a really big impact in their business before they sold anything. And for me and my audience, that means list building. So what I've decided to do is actually put the Profit Lab on a shelf for now and create a program that only focuses on list building. Because as you, if you know me at all, you know that I really truly believe you don't have a viable online business if you do not have a really quality email list. And this is something that I have to help my students do. I have to help them build a quality email list so that their business is legit and so that they can stand on their own two feet and they don't have to worry about other people promoting for them or hope that someone sees their post on social media to sell something or pray that something's going to come along to finally make their business work. It's the list. The list is the first thing that builds that foundation in your business that I've been talking about. So I tell you all this not to toot my own horn and tell you I've got products coming out this new year that's, that are going to help you, which I do, but I really tell you all of this because I want you to look at what you're creating right now or what you've already created and have you gotten to the epicenter of what your audience really needs right now. And sometimes that's a product suite. So for me, I'll have a program about list building and a program about building an online course and a program about selling that online course through webinars. So that's a product suite. And I want you all to start thinking about your product suite, but then promise me you only focus on one piece of the puzzle. If I was trying to do all of those products right now, I would be a nervous wreck. It's too much. But if I focus on one at a time, then that's really doable. And so that's what I want you to do. So this strategy, build a more focused product, step back a little bit and think, have I really focused on that one major need that they need right now? Or did I try to build a product that it meets maybe five of their needs, but it's too much. It's overwhelming. People aren't getting through the program. And so that's not serving you or your clients. And I've been in business for a while and I had to really step back even now and think, what did I miss here? Profit Lab has been an amazing program. And again, I really want to be honest with you. We've gotten amazing results from so many people, but I want to help those people that didn't get through my program. And I realized I, there's a need and I have to address it on its own. 
Because if you go into my program and you don't have anything to sell, you love the list building part, but I could have built that out even more so if I knew that you weren't ready to sell yet. I could have dove really deep into list building, making sure that every day your list is building. And then when you're ready, you can go into one of my programs about creating something and about selling something. See how that works? So I want you to do the same. This is like a huge aha for me that I had to come to over the years. So you may not totally see the picture yet, but I wish I had, would have thought about this years ago. So that's why I'm encouraging you to look at your product suite. So very important. And one more thing I want to talk about, about working smarter and having it relate to building a focused product. When you build a focused product or a suite of products and you really pour yourself into those programs, you make them very unique to what you know and how you teach You never have to worry about people ripping off your content. And I bring that up now because I get that question a lot. Amy, what happens if I I build this program and then people start stealing my content? What do I do? Can I copyright it? Should I get a lawyer involved? And sure, I've seen my actual programs being sold by people that totally ripped off the content, but they keep my name on it. They just sell it for insanely cheap prices. And anyone that would buy that, I feel like doesn't have integrity anyway, so I don't even worry about that stuff, but I'm talking about someone taking your idea and making it their own. And if that were to happen, then of course, that's a really horrible feeling, but here's how I look at it. If you pour yourself into your own products and you make them really unique, no one ever could teach content the way you teach it. And inside online training programs, if you create different themes or exercises or just little unique teaching styles inside your products, then you're, they're your own. So with my products, after every training, I'll say something like, okay, so now we've come to the action slide. And what I want you to do here is whatever. So I end each of my trainings the exact same way with an exercise or an action that's really unique to what I just taught. You'll find that in almost all of my programs, or I might add some special mottos or mantras that I want them to use. So there's always kind of like a mindset, um, training inside my actual training about the strategies and the tips and tricks. So there's unique things that you can do inside your programs. So just know if you do you inside your programs, you never, ever have to worry about someone ripping off your content and taking all your clients. It just doesn't happen. I think Nikki Elledge Brown is a really good example of this. She has a unique style of communicating, but I mean, in her defense, she is a communication stylist. That's actually what people call her. But when you read her emails and when you talk to her on the phone and when you go inside her programs, she's got this really unique style of explaining things and talking to her audience. And she's got these little sayings she uses and her humor is really unique. That's her. No one could ever create a copywriting program that's going to rip off Nikki because Nikki's got her own style. And I just want to remind you of that. When you really own it, you never, ever have to worry again about people taking that away from you. It's yours. It's your style. It's your content. No one can do it like that. So don't even worry about that. That shouldn't even take space up in your head. Just create an awesome program. Okay. So we're going to move on to the next strategy. And this strategy is to make decisions often. Now let's talk about that. But before we get there, I have to tell you something that just happened. So I paused while I was recording this and I went downstairs to get some more coffee. It's really early in the morning. I'm a morning person. So I record these early and I went downstairs to get some coffee and I'm hearing this like pitter patter, like boop, boop, boop. I'm thinking, what is that? And then I thought, please, please tell me it's not what I think it is. And so I literally just got done telling you guys we did construction here at the house, right? Remodeled. And literally it just ended like days ago. And so when I go downstairs, I think I hear water and sure enough, it's raining and water is coming through my living room. We have a split in our ceiling and water is literally like, it's just raining in my living room all over my new furniture all over the new wood floors. Yeah. I hope you're cringing like I am right now because I was in shock. 
my husband's at the fire station. So it's just me here and my dog, Gus, and Gus is licking up all the water. And I'm thinking I need to just right away decide I'm going to laugh at this because other than that, my only other option is I might just freak out. So basically it's been about an hour since I've been back at this computer because I've been getting all the water up, moving all the furniture and calling the roofer. I'm not sure what happened, but we officially have rain in our living room. Good stuff, right? But I'm just going to remain positive. Know that insurance will cover it. And it kind of kills me because Christmas is right around the corner and we have family coming, but we're just going to have to make light of this, right? So I had to share that with you all because I just got done telling you about our big remodel and now it's raining in my house. Good stuff. Okay. So let's get back to the matter of hands. This is real life people. We are really doing this and life goes on. And so I had to share. So making decisions often, a lot of times people will ask me, okay, me, how did you grow your business so quickly? What was your secret sauce? You know, what would you attribute all that to? And I always say that I take action every single day toward our goals. And so I'm always making decisions and it's rare that I sit on something for a while. And so that's just kind of my own personality. That's how I do things. And sometimes I make decisions a little too quickly and kind of have to go back and fix. So I'm not saying I'm perfect at this. However, it is something that I find really valuable and that is to make decisions often and quickly. So inside the book rework, they say, let's swap out the idea of, well, let's go ahead and think about this for a while. So swap that out with the mindset. Let's decide on it now. And as you move into the new year, whenever you're listening to this, I want you to catch yourself when you start to say to your team or to yourself, I'm going to think about that for a while. And it's okay to think about it for a little while, but when it gets into many days, many weeks, many months, then you know, you might have a problem and it might be time to change the way you're doing things. Now, the way I see it, and this is an important part of making decisions often is that when you make a decision swiftly, things can then happen. Momentum starts to happen movement. And that might mean that things start moving forward, going great. And you're getting big results because you've made those decisions that needed to be made. But it also might mean that you've made a decision. So now you've got movement and then some obstacles will surface quickly. And those obstacles will always be there, but they might just be sitting in the background lurking and you don't know about them. You don't know about them. And then it's too late. And now they've kind of messed everything up where the way I look at it, if I make a decision swiftly, the obstacles because of my decision might surface, but then I can just handle it. Cause I know I'm moving forward. I've got momentum. We're going to deal with it now. So I feel like things start to take shape. Things happen. Opportunities come up. Obstacles show themselves a whole lot more quickly when you're always making decisions. So the perfect solution is really never going to happen. And usually when we're looking for the perfect solution, so we sit on ideas and thoughts and, and analyze for a long time. When we do that, we probably overcomplicate things anyway. So that's another thing that I do is I try not to overcomplicate things by thinking about things for too long. Cause I could analyze till the cows come home. What is that saying? Anyway, that's my mom saying till the cows come home, who knows, but I could overanalyze forever. So that's why I just don't let myself go there. And I make decisions swiftly. It really does make a difference. You'll be amazed how strong your decision-making muscle can get and how quickly that can happen when you make it a habit. So the next time you hear yourself saying, okay, I'm going to think about that or telling your team, all right, I haven't made a decision. I'll get back to you guys. Stop for a minute and think, wait, could I just make a decision right now? Do I have the information I need? Do I have enough information? You'll never have all the information. Do you have enough information to make a decision to keep your team moving forward, to keep the momentum and the movement and to keep taking action so you can get results? It's a really small thing, but makes a huge difference. Okay. So we're going to move on to the next way to work smarter. And this also has to do with creating online programs and products. And specifically it's about selling. So the tip here is to create an offer that your audience can absolutely not refuse. And this tip actually came from a different book. This wasn't from rework. It's from a book called getting everything you can out of all you've got from Jay Abraham. 
And I think it's a really good book. It doesn't just apply to an online business. For So for those of you listening, if you have a brick and mortar, if you have a physical product or an online business, I think it's a really valuable book. It's all about strategy and the way you think about your business. But inside this book, there's this great story, and I actually want to read it. So hold on. It's really short, I promise, but it's good. So let's see here. Quick story. It says, a farmer wanted to buy a pony for his little daughter. There were two for sale in his town. Both ponies were equal in all aspects. The first man told the farmer he wanted $500 for his pony, take it or leave it. The second man was selling his pony for $750. But the second man told the farmer he wanted the farmer's daughter to try out the pony for a month before the farmer had to make any purchasing decision. He offered to bring the pony out to the farmer's home along with a month's worth of hay to feed the pony. He said he'd send out his own stableman once a week to show the little girl how to groom and care for the pony. He told the farmer the pony was kind and gentle, but to have his daughter ride the pony each day to make certain they got along together. Finally, he said at the end of the 30 days, he'd drive over to the farmers and either take back the pony and clean up the stall or ask then to be paid $750. Which pony do you suppose the farmer decided to purchase for his daughter? Now, great story, really simplified, I know. However, think about your offers. And I want you to start to consider how to make them so good that your audience just cannot refuse them. Now, I've got some simple ways to do that. And one of the ways is to offer more of you. Now, let's talk about that first, because this is really difficult for me to do as my business has grown. So I have a tip for those listening that are just starting out, maybe in your, in the first two years of your business. If you're just starting out, I want you to think about adding more of you. If that bandwidth is there now, some internet marketers might not agree with this and they think, you know, as much as you can automate the better, take yourself out of the mix, let your business run without you. And for some people that's really good, but I do believe that many of us, including myself, will really make an impact if we can infuse more of ourselves into what we do. And we already talked about infusing your style and making things unique in your product. So only you can sell and create the way you do. But in this instance, I'm talking about adding some touch points to what you're already doing and what you're already selling. So people get to actually interact with you. And if you're just starting out, this is easier. So when I used to sell the profit lab, I had 30 people in the program and all 30 people actually got to get on Skype with me one-on-one for a few times and get some one-on-one coaching about their programs. Donna Moritz, if you know her from socially sorted, she was in my very first profit lab. And I remember like it was yesterday where she was just building her business, wasn't exactly sure the direction she wanted it to go. And we jumped on Skype. She's in Australia. I got to know her more. I got to help her. Now we're great friends. She just promoted webinars that convert and did amazingly well in terms of the impact she was able to make with her own list with my program. Like she's a top affiliate. She did fantastic. So it's really cool. The relationships you're going to build if you start now when your business is smaller. So again, I offered that and that's why my program sold so well, even though I didn't have a big list yet, I was promising interaction with me. Now these days, because my business has grown, I still do this, but I have to be really careful of it. And I do private Facebook groups. But right now, my webinars that convert private Facebook group has over 1500 people in it. But the great thing about that is I still jump in daily. My team helps. I still make videos for people and I really try to make a big presence in there. And I tell myself an hour a day, if I can do an hour a day, I'm still really giving back. Now I have to set expectations and say, when you purchase my program, I jump in daily, but I'm not the only person that's going to answer all your questions. So I want people to know before they jump in, it's not all one-on-one with me. So it's important to set those expectations. But my point being here is if you have the bandwidth right now to offer, let's say some one-on-one support or some personal calls with people or offer them email access, if your list is still small enough and you email people and say, you can reply back to this email and I will write you back. Those are the relationships that you keep for life. I mean, there's a reason why Donna and I are so very close to this day. And it started because I got to 
be one-on-one with her and answer questions and be a support to her and then stay in touch with her that way. So I just want you not to miss out on this opportunity. If it's there for you and you can jump on it now before your business gets really big, go for it. And then as your business grows, you can find different ways to, you know, make sure that you've got that connection. Another thing I do is when I do a special bonus for B-School, um, that's Marie Forleo's program B-School, and I'm a, a big supporter of it. And so in February, I'm going to start promoting B-School again. We do it once a year. And for those who buy B-School through me, I offer a live event. So you can come to San Diego, you can get in a hot seat, you can meet other people going through the program. So that's another way, even though my business has grown, offering these live events, that one-on-one interaction in a real live setting is really powerful. So there's other ways to do it when you grow. But I also want to say that when, remember this, this strategy I'm teaching you right now is to create an offer they can't refuse. And that means that you also want to make sure that you create something where people feel like there's not a lot of risk. And so one way to do that is with a refund policy. And I get questions about refund policies a lot. Should I offer a refund policy? Should I do 30 days or 60 days? And in this book by Jay Abraham, he talks about 60 days is really powerful in terms of comparing it to 30 days. He saw a huge upswing in the amount of people that took him up on the offer just by changing it from 30 days to 60 days. So that's just something to think about. Also, when I have like a $97 program, I make the refund policy really easy. Like I want my $97 programs to be no brainers. Like it is an instant. Yes. Making it a 30 day, no questions asked money back guarantee or a 60 day, no questions asked money back guarantee. Great for a $97 program, a $197 program. But I will say that I've kind of changed my tune around refund policies And that is as I've gotten better at creating programs, as I've really nailed down my content and I know I'm getting people really big results, I've tightened up my refund policy. This is just something you might want to think about as your business grows. So before I always did a 30 day or 60 day money back guarantee, no questions asked. And then when I came out with my webinars program, I thought I've nailed this. I know that this program is going to get people big results. And I knew I had put it together in a way that was really solid. There's a beginning, middle, and an end to the entire system I teach. And if you follow it, you're going to get results. So what I did is I offered a 60 day money back guarantee, but I had a lot of stipulations to that. Basically you had to go through the entire program. You had to create your slide deck and you had to run Facebook ads and you had to post on social media. You had to do your webinar live. You had to record it and you had to sell something on it. And when you did all that and you still didn't generate the money that you wanted to generate, I will give you a refund, but you have to show me your work. Now I was very nervous to do this because you know, a lot of people won't buy because of that. But then I thought I want to attract the a game. I want to attract people that are like, bring it on, Amy, give me that challenge. Like I'll show you. And when they do the work and they're really committed to it, they're going to get results. I have no doubt. And so because of that, I felt really good to make a very ironclad refund policy. Yes, I'll give you your money back, but you got to do all the work and prove me wrong. And if they prove me wrong, then by all means, But this has proven to be really amazing for my team and our mindset around the program, as well as really pushing my students to go do the work. Part of the challenge of running an online business where you sell online training programs is that people have to do the work to get results. And that is a challenge sometimes. Getting people through my programs, like I talked to you about the Profit Lab, turned out to be a really big challenge. And I had to uncover the reasons why. But even with the webinars course, I know there's some people that have opened it up, went through a few lessons and thought, oh man, I got to actually do the work here to get results the same for me. And so, you know, I understand that it's hard to get people because they're busy, they get sidetracked, they chase the next shiny thing. So my point for you is that it's hard enough to get people to go through the program completely. So the one thing you want to do is make sure you attract the right kind of people. And sometimes with a really solid refund policy, even though I'm talking about making an offer they can't refuse, 
I'm just saying, I don't think it's always just an easy refund policy. That way there's no risk whatsoever because you got to be careful of the people you're attracting. I don't want the tire kickers. So this lesson here I'm giving you about making an offer they can't refuse. There's a little caveat to it that I don't think it's always with the refund policy. Now, what I will say is that the private Facebook groups and the one-on-one calls with you and the ability to email you with questions and the live events, those personal touch points, to me, that's what's missing in so many people's programs today. And so if you offer it, you're going to be unique. And also you're going to make them an offer that they feel really supported. So to me, making an offer they can't refuse must involve some kind of really amazing support. What if I get stuck? What's going to happen? That's the number one question I get asked when I sell my programs. And so I always make sure I have an answer to that one. And then one more thing I want to add to this. If you're selling high end programs, especially through webinars, a lot of my students are selling like $2,000 coaching programs through webinars. What I've noticed and what so many of my students have reported is that in order to make them an offer, they can't refuse they might need to have a touch point with you before they buy. And so I don't do this with products below a thousand dollars. However, if I, I don't even sell a product more than a thousand, but if I did, I'd make sure like on a webinar, I'd say, if you want a 15 minute one-on-one call with me to make sure you're right for the program, then here's my calendar. Or I'd answer every email that people sent during my promotion about the program. And they'd hear directly from me during B school when I promote it in February, that's a $2,000 program. And I get a lot of emails every day and I can't possibly answer all of them. But during B school, because I know it's a high end program and there needs to be a touch point before some people buy, I tell my team, every email you get about B school, am I right for the program? This is what I'm worried about. What about this? Every email has to come to me and I answer every single one of them because if anyone buys B-School through my link, I want to make sure that they're really, really a good fit for the program. And so that's when you kind of have to go the extra mile when the price goes up. Now, again, not everyone would agree with me about this when it's more expensive, there needs to be more touch points, but so many of my students inside my webinar program have reported when I started ask answering questions during the promo period before people buy my sales skyrocket. So think about those touch points in the promo period. And then the touch points after people buy, if you want to make them an offer, they can't refuse. Okay. We are moving on to number six. And this one also is about selling and specifically selling your byproduct as an upsell or a downsell. So first of all, I already did an episode all about upsells. I made over $100,000 this year in one upsell for my webinars program, and I literally broke it down. What I sold, why I sold it, the price points, the opportunity. So if you're interested in doing upsells or downsells, definitely check out episode number 78. So amyporterfield.com forward slash 78. Now, the reason why I'm bringing it up here again is I do believe that upsells and downsells are a way to work smarter in 2016 and beyond. The reason for that is when you can figure out another thing to offer in addition to your online training program and offer it in that moment when they buy your online training program, it's like icing on the cake. If you want to reach your goals a whole lot more quickly in the new year, then upsells and downsells are the way to do it. If you're selling online training programs. Now, what kills me is I've never done an upsell until this year, and I've been in business since 2010. So shame on me, right? I knew that they were powerful. I've seen my friends do them and I never figured it out. One of the reasons I didn't figure it out is because sometimes it's a little tricky in terms of what to sell as an upsell or downsell. And just to make sure we're on the same page, let me back up a little bit. So basically an upsell or downsell works like this. You have an online training program that you're selling. Someone buys it. They literally put in their information and now they've purchased your program. And usually in that moment, they see a new web page that says, okay, great. You're enrolled. And I have one more special offer that you might want to take me up on. And it somehow relates to what you just sold them. And I talk all about this in episode 78, a downsell, which I've actually never done is more like, okay, you didn't buy the program but let me offer you something that is a light version of what I just was trying to sell you. Or sometimes you can do a downsell after an upsell. It's a little complicated. It's all in episode number 78. 
But the reason why this is so important is because when I was reading that book by Jay Abraham, he was saying that when done right, when you do an upsell right, usually on average, 60% of the people that just bought your online training program or bought your product will take you up on an upsell. And those are the types of numbers we saw. 60% of people that bought the webinars course were wanting to buy my upsell. And when you really figure out what it is to offer them, it's like a golden formula. It's so fantastic. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about first, just starting to think about an upsell or downsell. If you already have an online training program or the best time to think about it is as you build the outline for your paid program, I want you to build out the entire outline. And then I want you to ask yourself, what is something that I could add to this opportunity that would completely enhance my students' experience? It's not a necessity. It's not like if you don't include it, you're screwing them up, but it's like, oh my gosh, if I would just offer this, those people that were really serious about getting results would take me up on it in a hot minute. Now, a lot of the times it's something like, um, a do it for you kind of opportunity. So for me, I offered a five pack slide deck. So I actually had my designer create their slide decks for them, at least the templates. So then they could just drop in their content and I saved them hours plus tons of money to hire designers to do their slide decks. So it was more like a do it for you experience, but I just did it once and then I could sell it to the masses because I did five different opportunities for them. So they had some choices, but also you could do something like you can offer one more opportunity, like one-on-one with you. So if they buy a program and they already bought it, you could say, okay, if you want some more one-on-one attention, you feel like you could really find value if you were coached through this program and you wanted to get on the phone with me, I'm offering five spots for one-on-one coaching as you go through my program. And then this could be big, like it's $2,000 more. So it's not for everybody. It's only for five people. Anyway, I don't have a lot of opportunity. So that could be like a cool upsell. There's so many options for this, but I will say that I'm just kicking myself for waiting so long to add it to my programs. And when I know it enhances my students experience and then it gets me to my goals a whole lot quicker, it's a win-win. So working smarter means considering upsells and downsells as you create your online training programs. Good. So check out episode number 78 if you like this idea. Okay. We're moving into the final stretch. Number seven strategies for working smarter. And this one is all about making sure your work really matters. We're back to the book rework. That's where I got this from. And I want to ask you some questions because a lot of my students are struggling with really making sure that they're offering something that their audience truly needs and wants. They think they've nailed it, but then when they start to sell it, something's a little bit off or they're not selling as many as they thought that they should be selling based on the amount of people they're able to reach. Like their conversions are really low. Now, sometimes that has to do with selling and in the foundation you've built around your promotion. But a lot of the times, more often than not, what I've seen is that my students are missing the mark with offering something that their students really need and want and understand how important it is that they actually take you up on that offer. Now, in addition to that, a lot of my students are creating businesses where they're just not loving the experience. Like sometimes they even think about going back to corporate. And the reason for that is they just feel like, ah, this isn't coming together as quickly as I thought. It's a huge struggle. I have no security and my husband or wife doesn't even believe in what I'm creating because they don't understand that it can be a legit business. So all these things are coming your way and you're thinking, am I doing the right thing? But to stay on course for this episode, I want to ask you a few questions around making sure you're doing the work that matters, matters to you and matters to your audience. The first question is, why are you doing this? Now we could look at big picture, like why are you creating your business? Or you can even make it more specific. Like why are you creating that online training program? And I want you to think about who is it for, who benefits, what's the motivation. These are just some things that I want you to start thinking about. So you make sure that you're working on the stuff that you really want to be working on. Also, here's another question. 
What problem are you solving? I've got to read you something because this one is a biggie because a lot of times we think we're solving one problem where maybe we've gotten off course just a little bit. So let me read you just a little paragraph from the book. So here's what it says in the book. What problem are you solving? And I'm quoting, what's the problem? Are customers confused? Are you confused? Is something not clear enough? Was something not possible before that should be possible now? Sometimes when we ask these questions, you'll find you're solving an imaginary problem. That's when it's time to stop and reevaluate what the hell you're doing. (laughs) That was from the book, not me. So sometimes we think we're solving a problem, but then when we really dig down, like, is this clear? Do my customers understand what I'm solving? Am I really understanding what I'm solving? Is it a very real problem? Are my customers telling me this is a problem? Is this the language they're using? And sometimes we're totally off course. Like what I did with the profit lab is that I was solving the problem of selling more online. And that was a very real problem. So it wasn't imaginary. My students want to sell more online, but when a lot of people got inside the program, they didn't get past the first part because they didn't have anything to sell. So I had to realize, wait, I want to solve the problem of selling, which is why I created the webinars course, but I've got a problem that I didn't even see before. And that is my audience needs a list. They need to find their tribe. They need to grow an email list of quality people. And when they do that, they're going to get really clear on what they should sell. Because in the program, I teach people how to really understand what your avatar needs. And the way to do that is if you already have a list, it's really easy to start talking to them, engaging with them and getting very clear in terms of what they want to sell. So this stuff I'm learning as well. And you all know that when I teach something, it's because I need to learn it or I need to really drill it down into my thick skull sometimes. And so I can relate to these questions too. And so don't beat yourself up. If you're feeling like maybe I'm not solving the right problem, just fix it, you know, really evaluate. So here's another question. Is this actually useful? So it's easy to confuse enthusiasm and usefulness, meaning we get really excited about our ideas and what we're creating. And we're so excited that we kind of lose sight. Sometimes make sure that whatever you're creating in terms of big picture, like your business or a specific project program or service, is it incredibly useful? Here's another question. Are you adding value? And in the book, I love what they said. They said, value is about balance. Now this is so good. I never looked at it this way. And I love this adding too little will leave your audience confused. Adding too little value will leave your audience confused and adding too much value will be just overkill. The the example they use in the book is too much ketchup ruins your French fries. Good point, right? It comes back to being a curator. When you put too much value in a program, you're going to just totally overwhelm your audience. And I think that usually is the problem. It's not that you're not adding enough value. You're adding too much value, which kind of is very endearing that we care that much. So we got to be kind to ourselves. We do it for a good reason, but it happens a lot. When I was with Robbins, Tony Robbins, um, one of the questions we asked inside our content development department is, does the customer care? Sometimes we add things to our program and forget that we're really passionate about it, but does the customer really care? Or if you add a bell and a whistle to your program, like something really cool, does the customer really care? Or do you just think that's really cool? So that's when knowing your audience, building an email list that you can really engage with them and know, do they really care? So here's another one. Will this change behavior? Because you have to make an impact. And if a behavior will not be changed or enhanced, you need to rethink what you're doing. So definitely when I create my programs now, I start to think, okay, I always infuse a little mindset, like inspiration and the way we think about being an entrepreneur and running our business. Because if my audience not only understands the strategy of let's say list building, but then the mindset around it, they're more likely to want to change the behavior. I did two full episodes about list building one, the mindset around list building and two, the strategies behind list building. I'll link to them in my show notes. And I did those episodes because I realized not only does my audience need to know how to build a list, but they have to have a mindset around list building to know why it's important that it has to be priority on their list and stop pushing it to the back of their priorities. 
And so again, to change a behavior, it's not just about giving them a bunch of how to strategies. It's about mindset as well. Here's another question. Is there an easier way? Remember, pursue simple, get fancy later. And in my world, I don't ever even get fancy. So I say get fancy later because of all my creatives out there that are just chomping at the bit to get creative. It will come, but first you've got to get really simple, pursue simplicity. And so if there's an easier way to do something in your business, find it now because you're going to work smarter in the new year. Here's another one. What could you be doing instead This is where you need to look at your team and your resources. If you're working on one thing, what else is not getting done? And are you making decisions every day that are moving you toward your goals? Or are you sitting on a bunch of decisions you need to make, working on things that aren't really moving the needle and probably slowing down momentum on your team? Make decisions swiftly. And when you do that, you'll be able to uncover what you probably should be working on and what might be wasting time. You're going to be amazed when you start to make decisions swiftly, you'll be amazed what surfaces and what realizations are going to be totally unveiled to you because you're moving forward. It's kind of amazing. And here's a final question. Is it really worth it? This is a question you can apply to so much of what you're doing in your business. Is it worth the money? Is it worth your time? Is it worth adding the stress to your team? Sometimes it is. Like when I create my online training programs and we're getting ready to promote, that is a very stressful time on the team. A lot of my team kind of blocks out a whole two weeks and they know nothing's really happening in their personal life for two weeks because we're focused on a launch. Now, after the launch, I encourage them to go have a life, but it's going to be a stressful time. Yes, I think that's worth it. I think we're making an impact in this world with the promos that we do and the programs we sell, but you've got to ask yourself, is it worth the stress or worth the money or worth the time? Or is it worth taking your attention off another project? Is it worth it to your clients? Is it really worth it? And what I want to get in the habit of in my own business, and you can steal this from me if you're not doing it already. If I ask myself, is this worth it? And I say, heck yes, it's worth it. Then it's all systems ago. Like we are green lights all the way and we're doing it. But if I ask myself, is this worth it? And I say, "Mm, not really. Stop it. I've got to stop it now. And I even told Trevinia, my assistant, we were talking about speaking gigs. I don't do a lot of speaking gigs, but when I do, I really want to make sure they're a heck yes. I totally want to go. That's an amazing audience. Like there's one on the docket. I can't talk about it just yet, but it's on the docket for 2016. And it's a heck yes. I can't even wait for it. And I don't even love to speak on stage, but I can't wait for this one. So that's a heck yes. There was another one that came in that we were almost going to do because they were going to pay me a lot of money to do it. And then I started seeing some of the communications and I thought, "Mm, I don't like the vibe around this one. This isn't right for me. uh, I don't know. And if I went, I would only be doing it for the money. And that is a heck no. So you can say hell yes. I don't know why I'm being so PC, but it's a hell yes or a hell no, but just definitely make it really clear in terms of, is it really worth it? So there you have it. I hope you found these seven ways of working smarter, really valuable for your own business. And I hope you apply them as you build and grow your business into this new year and beyond. Now, don't forget that I've included some links in the show notes, things that I think you're going to find really valuable. So go check out the show notes at amyporterfield.com forward slash 90. So you can get the links to the books I mentioned and some of the past episodes that I mentioned and a few other goodies I might not have mentioned yet, but you'll find them over at the show notes. Also, before we do our final word from our sponsor, I want to tell you this. It means the world to me that you tune in and you listen to my show and you apply the strategies and you take me on this journey with you as you build your business. There is not one day that I take that lightly. And I really do appreciate you letting me go on this journey with you. I feel so blessed to be able to do the work I love. And I know that I couldn't do this without your support. So because we're wrapping up the year, I want to tell you that you mean the world to me. The fact that you tune in and you take me along with you to the gym, the subway, you know, in the car with your kids, some people write and they say, my kids know your voice so well because I'm constantly listening to you. And I absolutely love to hear those things. I feel very lucky that I get to be a little tiny part in your business, especially if you're taking these lessons that I put together and really apply them to what you're doing. Thank you so very much. I mean it when I say it. 
that I feel very lucky to be able to do the work I do. And I know it's because of your support. So good luck in all you do. If you're listening to this, as we go into the new year, let's make this the most amazing year you've ever created with wild success and even more happiness. And I wish you nothing but happiness in the new year. And if you're listening to this well into the new year or beyond, I hope you're making it the best year ever. Thanks again. And before we wrap up a final word about our sponsor. And finally, I want to thank our sponsor, 99designs. Now, you know, when you market online, it's really difficult to stand out from all of that online noise clutter. So how do you do it? Well, I think you do it through impeccable branding. And that includes your logo, your social media cover images, your website, and everything in between. At 99designs, you can get anything designed in just a week for a startup friendly price. So to give you a little something extra, when you go to 99designs.com forward slash Amy, you'll get a $99 upgrade for free. That upgrade makes your design contest stand out from all the others and bumps you to the top of the list so more designers can see your contest. So make sure to check out 99designs.com forward slash Amy. Okay, so that's a wrap. And again, thank you for tuning in. I can't wait to connect with you in the new year. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast at www.amyporterfield.com. 